Welcome to the Alternative Format Podcast, hosted by Anuja Pradhan and Scott Jones. This is a podcast where we discuss doing the PhD by Alternative Format. Hello, Academia. Hi, Academia. Welcome to episode one, where we talk all about how to make the decision of doing your PhD by alternative format. We share our personal experiences of this and talk about maybe some of the advantages as well as disadvantages of choosing this method. So maybe let's introduce ourselves first. Um, would you like to begin, Scott? Yeah, thanks, Anuja. Yeah, uh, my name is Scott Jones. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Birmingham, and I did my PhD at Lancaster University with Anuja at the time. Yeah, that was really great. Um, so I am Anuja Pradhan again, um, and I am an assistant professor at the University of Southern Denmark. And like Scott said, we did our PhDs together at Lancaster University, Uh, though slightly differently, of course, because I was a full-time student and Scott was part-time. Yeah, so I did mine part-time over six years, it was, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I think I took a little over four years, maybe, to complete mine, um, even though it was full-time. And I think that is quite representative of a lot of PhDs out there who don't really finish within three years no it's quite rare isn't it to hear um, people saying i completed in the three years yeah i think so and i think when it comes to doing it by the alternative format maybe that that challenge is still there or maybe magnified even a little bit i'm not quite sure i think so yeah i think especially yeah the three or four different pieces that make up the phd by alternative format perhaps magnifies that times time frame I think so. So um, before we get into the discussion, really, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about why we thought about doing this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So we both, we've talked a couple of times at conferences when we've met since our PhDs, five uh, about our experiences of doing the PhD by alternative format. And I think we increasingly in the UK, it's be, probably become more atypical, but not not totally common there's more PhDs by publications occurring and we talk to colleagues in different universities and we thought we'd like to share our own experiences our insights discuss the challenges of this pursuing a PhD by alternative format and we thought the podcast would be a great way to showcase that. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember particularly when I was writing up, um, it was really hard to get very concrete guidance on what is uh, expected of my PhD. So, you know, this hopefully will be helpful to future PhDs who do it by the alternative format. Before we continue, I do want to make a note on... um, terms yeah so we in this podcast accidentally sometimes call it the phd by publication which is actually a completely different thing but when we say phd by publication we still mean the alternative format and perhaps this is a good time to talk about the difference between the alternative format and the phd by publication yeah i think so so typically a phd by publication would if i'm right correct me but it would typically be somebody working in an institution who may have a body of work, five or six papers, maybe even more than that, book chapters, conference papers, 
published papers, journal articles. And then my understanding, and may correct me if I'm wrong here, and they would sew that together. They would then present that as a PhD by publication. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I understand as well. This is somebody who has um, already been in academia yeah. for a while, but perhaps not got the formal PhD, but then they bring their work together and present it as a PhD. Yeah. Right. Whereas the alternative format is a little bit different. Absolutely. So the alternative format, and it varies with uh, institutions, but it's largely free. The, the format would be free, publishable papers. Don't necessarily, and this is a, a, a point we'd like to, to, to state really, not necessarily need to be published, but free at publishable quality. And whereas the news you mentioned earlier, you see differences, different institutions might say free, some might say four. And with a new journal at Lancaster University, one of those pieces of the free had to be solo authored. Yeah, absolutely. That was a requirement that you have one that is solo authored. Um, and you also have to explain, at least I did in my PhD, as to um, what was the supervisor's involvement, yeah. right, in this solo authored uh, paper. Yeah, I remember that, seeking their signatures and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and checking that we've got the percentages correct. But yeah, you need a statement to say how much did the supervisors contribute to each of the articles or chapters in in the thesis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like Scott said, this could be different based on the institute that you're at. So we don't want to get too much into the particularities no. of what this is. Uh, but just note that when we say PhD by publication, uh, we mean by alternative format yeah. for this podcast. Um, so, Scott, why did you decide to do your PhD by alternative format? Yeah, so I was I was I chose to do my PhD by alternative format because I was largely found myself in the position of teaching at a university. I was lecturing in marketing, um, but without a PhD. So I was lecturing at Sheffield Hallam University. And you might hear in this podcast, I sometimes refer to this post-92, which is a UK term. So in 1992, the UK government allowed what was polytechnics in the university to apply for university status. So and Sheffield Hallam was one of those universities so it's now got university status. So if you hear me talk about post-92, um, there's that point of clarity. So I'd been teaching for about 10 years, Anusia, and I selected to do... I could have selected the digital PhD format. I applied for PhDs. I'd reached a point at Sheffield Hallam where I wanted to do a PhD. And um, But given I'd already lectured and perhaps taught for 10 years or so, I was lacking in publications and articles. I was thinking about my future career. I was thinking of areas I'd like to research, I was interested in. And I guess that the advantage was able to keep my job as lecturing while doing the PhD part-time, which was, and the alternative format really appealed to me to get my research out there and to be able to, and, and the context of my study. So my study was watching people watching TV and it was, it was binge-watching. And I thought, how it, I, was, I was fascinated, I was a binge-watcher myself, but I wondered how long will this stay current for? It was very, in 2015-16 when I was pursuing it. So there was something about wanting to get the research out there and it's, well, while it was still fairly talked about current. So the alternative format really appealed to me from that approach. And what about yourself, Anuja? What, what attracted to you to do the alternative format? So my experience was quite different to yours, Scott. Um, I started my PhD in 2015 um, in autumn. And at that point, I had I didn't actually even know what the alternative format was because I was 
sort of returning to academia after being out in the industry. So I finished my master's um, and then I went out into the industry and I was working for five years and then I got back you know, to do the PhD. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea that there was this alternative format. But then as I uh, continued doing my PhD, I heard about it and it was something that I was considering, but I wasn't really sure of. And then a couple of things happened. So one is that my data and the kind of story that I was telling lent itself to this format, right? So because I did an intergenerational study, so I spoke to British Indian women um, across uh, a couple of generations. And then when I was trying to see, you know, what is the key story here? it turned out that I had a couple of different stories that I could tell and then one overarching story as well. So that really lent itself well to this alternative format. Um, But also I actually was invited to publish something that I'd sent into uh, the CCT conference. Uh, That's consumer culture theory conference for those who are unaware. So um, I was invited to publish that paper as a book chapter in the research in consumer culture theory book. So that really got me thinking about, well, you know, now I will have this one publication um, from my PhD. And then the data has also kind of structured itself into three interesting stories that are different but connected at the same time. So maybe... I should do it by this alternative format. And that's when I made the decision in my third year, actually, which is pretty late. Um, But yeah, that's how I came about to it. And that just reminded me that the alternative format was, I went to Lancaster discussing it in those first few weeks with supervisors about the potential of doing it by alternative format. It wasn't set on. It wasn't something I chose to do at the earliest outset but then I saw a call I'd done some house of cards a new series of house of cards season four had dropped and I wasn't I'd I'd been about seven months into my PhD and I just thought this is this was at the time it was Netflix's big flagship show so we discussed it and we got I got the ethical consent and collected data and Almost, I didn't put too much thought into it, perhaps I shouldn't say this, but I'd included videoing participants in the data collection. So I videoed the participants watching TV. It's like a version of Gogglebox, but without them talking at the TV, I suppose. And out of that, then I saw a call in Glasgow uh, by Jonas Ruku and colleagues about a videography course. So I went on the videography course, learned some videography techniques. And out of that was a call for a special issue for the Journal of Marketing Management. So... That was my first thinking, this is perhaps the alternative format is the way to go for me. And I, I created a videography and a paper out of that. Um, so it was almost spontaneous, not totally pre-planned, but also in the back of my mind was the idea of the uh, alternative format. Yeah, I think uh, it's always nice when it, it presents itself, right? Rather than something that's imposed yeah. onto what you're doing. Yeah. And there's that discussion of the, the supervisors and and they were new to the alternative format themselves uh, supervisors uh, professor james cronin and professor maria piercentini and i think maria had supervised a alternative format but this was quite mind-blowing at the time they were, we, we discussed it and they were like i wonder how it works and we checked the lancaster guidelines but yeah it was something quite dare i say new so my supervisors were uh, Professor Emerita Margaret Hogg and Dr. Haley Cocker. 
and uh, they were quite hesitant to be honest about this alternative format because we didn't have anybody in the department who had done their PhD by this <laughs> format right so they were like um we're not quite sure how this works we are not very confident about um you know seeing it through to the end uh, and it wasn't really about uh, their confidence in themselves or their confidence in me. But I think just as a team, we would have to navigate something that's quite new, right? So they were concerned, I think, about the pressure that that might put on me. Um, but then the important thing was that we discussed it and we were honest and open and we communicated with each other. And then finally, we made that decision. Um, it was my decision to a certain extent because at the end of the day, it is your PhD, yeah. right? But I do think that it's important that you make that decision in consultation with your supervisor because if they are not very keen on this format, you're almost disadvantaging yourself, right? Yeah. Giving yourself a bit of a handicap, I think. So it's important to make that decision with your supervisor. How was it for you, Scott? Uh, very similar, um, Anuja, actually, because, again, there was a, I remember when we discussed the alternative format, we, we, our first thought is, let's see if there are any out there who have done it this way. And Maria had supervised one. So we found a couple of alternative formats and then they were quite different. They were very different. And we were like, this isn't quite helping us, but it was useful to look at how they'd approached it. But we discussed, it was totally my decision. And I decided I'd go for the special issue general marketing management. And it wasn't a requirement to publish, but it was something, having spent 10 years teaching, lecturing, it was something I wanted myself. And I think the validation came when we got an acceptance on that. I think the validation was, let's, let's then, we had, as you mentioned, Anujit, I saw three or four stories to tell from the data um, that I wanted to 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 publicise. Uh, so that was a decision as well. But it was it was my decision, and the guidance and the communication with the supervisors is critical. Um, speaking of validation, I should also mention that I also received validation um, actually by Søren Askegaard and Danny Kielgaard, who are both here at the University of Southern Denmark. So I was a visiting PhD here uh, during my studies, and I also took their advice on this, and uh, they kind of saw my work, and they were quite confident that I would be able to do it by the alternative format and they were very supportive in um, sort of you know sharing their views with my supervisors as well so that was really helpful um, but that was again my case where my supervisors were happy to have their comments you know this might not yeah. be true for all supervisors so that's something that yeah. uh, people should think about it really is quite personal in a way and a lot of it depends on your personal circumstances right Scott we were discussing Absolutely. Um, these conditions that you need to think about. So maybe you want to speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, so just from my own personal experiences, I remember once I decided I was going to do it by alternative format, I remember the drive home from Lancaster back to Sheffield, really excited about this alternative format. And I went into my institution where I worked and it was just largely unheard of. People didn't do it that way. It tended to be the traditional big book. So when I was talking to colleagues that I worked with, I was doing it by alternative format. There was some scepticism there. You know, how are you going to do that? Be careful if you if you are going hoping to get one or two published. The revision process around that as well, and the time. So yeah, there were concerns from my, and those concerns when you're working with these colleagues day in day out, they start to harbour, you know, themselves. Am I doing the right thing here? And then 
I know other colleagues who have, so for, for people who are perhaps working in academia who don't have a PhD and thinking about the alternative format, you may receive a bit of scepticism from colleagues about the traditional method versus the alternative format. Yeah, and there's also something here about, um, you know, taking charge or having the confidence to yeah. take charge and make this decision really, um, because well, I remember I started my PhD when I was 28, which to some is very old and to some is quite young, right? It depends on whom you're talking to. <laughs> um, but I was 28. Uh, mentally, I was still 15, I think. Still am. Um, but uh, I was really, I, I looked up to my supervisor. I still look up to my supervisors. Um, so I placed a lot of faith and importance in their view and you know what they wanted and that was really important but I think what they were trying to convey to me and it took me a while to to pick up on this was that it is my decision at the end of the day right so there might be some of you out there who are a little bit hesitant uh, who are waiting for your supervisors to uh, push you in a certain way but but I think that at the end of the day this is your project um, and you have to have confidence in yourself right especially if your supervisors seem kind of supportive, um, then you have to find that confidence in yourself to make this decision. I, I absolutely agree. And full disclosure, I was 37 when I started <laughs> my PhD. Um, and it was six years, obviously, the process. But I think at 37, and having taught for 10 years in academia, there was something about me wanting to get published and getting some publications by my name and thinking about where my future career might want to go as well and the trajectory of that. So the, the alternative format, I know there might be some instrumentality around this about publications, but that really appealed to me. And having the confidence to and the support from James and Maria to go that route. And especially, I think for us, it was it was new at Lancaster. We, we were, I think, perhaps the first two or three to do it that way. And I'm sure that's true of many institutions. Yeah, absolutely. So it was really new at Lancaster, but it seems to be more and more the norm now. It's certainly almost the norm here at the University of Southern Denmark now. Um, and, you know, there are advantages to doing the PhD this way. However, there are also many challenges, let's say, to this alternative format. And maybe we should talk a little bit about that now. there's several challenges firstly um i don't know about you what you found in Hugia, but it's it does feel very time doing a phd either way is very time consuming but i also felt i did feel at times an extra pressure as well and i i think as i may have mentioned i i chose to do I, I chose, you don't, as I say, you don't need to do this, but I wanted to get a couple of articles published as well, just because of my age and thinking about where I wanted to go in, in academia. And when those, those going down, if you do choose to get a couple of, uh, get a paper published, there is extra time dimensions added into that as well. Um, and it's not, I don't know about you, Nuja, but there's a big myth out there that it's perhaps an easier option, I've heard. Um, Absolutely not true. <laughs> No, so we're both on record here saying that it's absolutely not true. And to so so that's a challenge itself, you know, overcoming some of the myths around it I found quite challenging. I was working in, in an institution where people were saying 
Oh yeah, oh, you're going the. It's not the easy route at all, is it, Anusia? No, it's it's really not. And um, I would like to circle back to what you were saying about time and just yeah. doing the PhD in the time that you're supposed to do it in is quite a difficult task, given all the other responsibilities that we have, right? So in the UK, at least. Um, you generally get funded for three years for marketing PhD. Things are changing. Some universities are now giving you four years of funding. But a lot of universities give you three years of funding and it is really tough to finish any kind of a PhD within those three years because a lot of times you are also teaching a lot uh, because the funding you receive is a stipend and not a full salary. So oftentimes you're trying to supplement your income. You may also be within your first year taking courses, right? So you're also doing exams and completing projects and expected to start your research and so on and so forth. Conferences, networking. Absolutely. Um, So I think the PhD by alternative format is not a shortcut. And I think I would like people to be very aware of that. So you would still perhaps be taking the four years, perhaps you might need even more time, right? And especially for international students, um, this is a great financial burden that you have to bear, right? So you have to keep that in mind, I think, um, before deciding this route. And I'm not saying that if you do the monograph, you'll finish earlier. But what I'm saying is this challenge uh, remains the same, whichever format you choose. Yeah, and I think by doing it part-time, there were some advantages of doing it part time and doing it by the by by public by alternative format route because it did give me that if for example I remember my the first general marketing management publication out of my alternative format I sent it to review on the thirtieth of October two thousand sixteen long time ago now and two years later August two thousand eighteen it was it was published but within that there was a major revision then a minor revision, then another minor revision, and then publication. And at each of those iterations, there was a review process, there was the revise, resubmit. And again, that was you need to bake that in if you are deciding you might want to get, and it's not a requirement, but if you decide I might want to get a publication, there's quite a lot of commitment from the revise and resubmit while keeping everything else, like Anuja says, teaching commitments, departmental meetings, conferences data collection it's it's a real uh, it's a real tough task uh, and also being a person outside yeah. of so, the yeah. PhD <laughs> we kind of tend to forget that right you you might also um have responsibilities uh, well a lot of us have responsibilities outside of the PhD personal responsibilities as well um so it does become really rather challenging i think when you are doing this but also we thought about how this could be a challenge even after you finish, especially if you are thinking about moving disciplines. Yeah, we spoke about perhaps uh, moving for into social sciences, we spoke, didn't we, or maybe anthropology, if you've done it by the alternative format route, how that might be viewed. Yeah, so perhaps in disciplines like sociology, anthropology, cultural studies, we're not really sure how the alternative format PhD would be accepted, right? Would it be seen or given the same weight as a traditional monograph? Because we know that within these disciplines, there is perhaps uh, more of a focus on publishing books 
Whereas within the management disciplines, we have largely moved to um, journal articles now. So, so that's something that you should keep in mind, which is that if you need to or would like to, you know, switch disciplines after you finish your PhD, this might be a challenge for you if you do it yeah. by alternative format. Yeah, absolutely. Another challenge I was thinking about is perhaps the the burden of accountability and and self motivation as well, and that's true of any you know, the monograph format or the, the PhD by alternative format. But equally, the idea of how much you contribute to a paper, how do you manage that relationship with the supervisors is, is essential. So at Lancaster, um, the requirements was two papers co-authored and one solo paper. And again, where do you put that solo paper in? Where do you develop the writing skills and... Um, the development of yourself and your writing to do the solo paper is is an interesting point. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, so I don't know how it was for you, Scott, but for me, I did all of the writing and then my supervisors were, um, you know, commenting, um, occasionally doing the rewriting, but not much. They were giving me comments more than anything else. And then on my solo authored paper, um, it was, again, them commenting, but perhaps less, right? And I had more of the freedom um, to st- structure it how I wanted or take the lens that I wanted, right? Um, it was interesting because that's challenging, but also simultaneously really exciting yeah. um, to be able to do that as well because... There's almost this uh, liberation sometimes at uh, wanting to push your idea through. Um, but of course, sometimes that can be a really <laughs> bad idea. <laughs> so, Yeah, mine was very similar. I, um, my first two articles were co-authored. And in that, they commented on drafts. They, they made some uh, recommendations, fully written but by myself in the first instance, but then revisions. And like you say, that excitement of that, that third paper, oh, it, it felt great, actually. I, I can have a go on my own now at doing this and make, <laughs> some, make bigger mistakes on my own, perhaps. And that's a learning itself, and it's really important to do that. Um, and my solo paper came third out of the the, the, the papers in the... Piece. Yeah, same, same for me too. So yeah. perhaps something about developing our style there, the, the working with the supervisors and then having the confidence to perhaps, dare I say, go it alone on that paper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we don't want you to think that it's all negative, right? So maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the advantages of doing the PhD by alternative format before we wrap up this episode. <laughs> All right, so one of the big benefits that I got from doing the PhD by alternative format was milestones, dare I say. The idea of, phew, that's one article done. And seeing it, and some critics might say, well, it's one, you know, and and we've read it together, but I did see it as mini projects in many ways. And there was some relief from getting that mini project over the line, lots of hard work beforehand. But yeah, I'd say that was my first big benefit. And this isn't atypical, but the idea that I did have some of the articles published, and I talked about that revise and resubmit process, uh, that was really, really beneficial for me because I'm getting communication on my ideas 
former supervisors, but then associate editors, reviewers. So it's opening it up to four or five different voices to come and to give me advice. And in many ways, I was trying treating the revise and resubmit process as critical friends, and often that was the case. So I think hearing from from different um, voices was great. And the desire, I mentioned earlier, this binge-watching thing, I wasn't sure how long it would stay uh, as a fad, if you like. Um, so it was something about did the desire to get people to read the work as well. And I had colleagues who did the monograph, and they were like, who's ever going to read this? And I was like, well, people might, you never know. But there was something quite joyous and special about thinking well somebody's reading it it's really exciting it still is exciting now and thinking somebody might read this and download it so there were a couple of benefits that I saw from doing it this way wonderful um I I agree with that absolutely um in addition to that I would like to say that for me what was quite exciting was um being able to show a little bit of theoretical variation you know because in the three different um, papers, you can uh, use, if you would like, three different analytical lenses, right? Or three different theories yeah. for me, um, particularly. So I, I worked primarily with Bourdieu for the first and second paper. But then on the third paper, this was the solo authored paper, I really wanted to show something different and choose a theory perhaps um, that was not very mainstream or seen often um, in CCT and I was able to do that right especially because it was the solo authored paper um, of course now uh, that paper is under review and that theory oh my god all the reviewers hated it <laughs> so, so I've had to take it out <laughs> but <laughs> I did get to do it uh, while I was writing my PhD so I thought that was really fun um, and secondly um, this f has been a great um, starting point you know so I don't know about you but for me getting started on writing an article is sometimes can be the most intimidating thing right so here I had three well one was already published and then I had two other drafts of yeah. papers that were already ready so once I finished my PhD honestly it was so great to be able to go back pick up this entire draft right and then just be like okay great now I just need to revise it before submitting it, yeah. right? So I thought that was wonderful. And um, you know, it's not that you can't do that with the monograph. Of course, some people write sort of a each findings chapter, something that can be very quickly turned into an article draft, right? Yeah. But for me, it was so nice to just have the entire draft ready yeah. and then just rework from that point. So, so you know, for the lazy girls, yeah. um, <laughs> this is something to think about. And you just reminded me, I never... I never benefit I saw was taking risks and allowed me to take risks like within my um, PhD to format there's a videography and uh, there's a short story and I just wonder if I'd done it the traditional monograph route, would I have would I have taken those risks this isn't this was both methodology methodology wise a risk as well as alternative format dissemination of research yeah absolutely that that is really true. Also, what um, is interesting, and I just realized this, is that, so I also did a short yeah. story, um, but I didn't include it in my PhD. <laughs> 
So that that was just a separate yeah. publication. But I think it's interesting that you included yours in the PhD, right? So once again, there are different ways to write this document yeah. and to do this. Um, but finally, there's a benefit which you mentioned previously, um, implicitly, but I would like to make it explicit, which is that there are certain topics that are time sensitive. And so if you want to get those topics published, yeah. you know, perhaps this is the way to go about it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. So on that uh, positive note, let's wrap up. So Scott, what would you say? Should you do a PhD by alternative format or not? <laughs> I would recommend it. But I think we've discussed on this podcast, I would highly recommend it. But there are things that lots of considerations the university you're thinking of doing the phd at your supervisors your research team thinking about your own commitment thinking about your research topic thinking about the context of the research yeah absolutely i agree with that um it is an individual decision but hopefully through this episode we've helped you think a little bit more about that decision and given you the academics response of you know there is the right answer <laughs> which is our favorite response to give in the next episode we're going to discuss writing and structuring the phd by alternative format and what key considerations need to be made Thank you for listening to the Alternative Format Podcast. This podcast is produced by Carsten Prince and is a collaboration between the University of Southern Denmark and the University of Birmingham and supported by the Marketing Trust UK. Thank you for listening and happy writing. And Anuja, I think whenever you're ready, you just take a lead. Yeah. I was going to say hi, everyone, but I do that on the other oh dear, one, yeah. so I don't want to do that. How about... Uh, Hello. Is there some kind of slang, you know, for for, for PhDs? Like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, losers. Yeah. <laughs> hi, losers. Uh, no! <laughs> don't keep that in! <laughs> <No>. Suckers. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. <laughs>